Commission and Commission. Father, I am covering myself, the listeners, and our family member with the blood of Jesus, that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer in Jesus' name. Prepare our hearts and minds to receive your rhema word on this morning. Bless your servant for always having a right now word from you, Lord, for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The conference has been muted. Good morning, everyone. Hope you are having a good, chilly morning in the East Coast. Um, I, I do not know how it is in in uh, Texas, um, but I also I know um, uh, that uh, brothers um, brothers out there in South Dakota, you're getting ready for the cold weather as well. We are not as cold as you are, brother, uh, from South Dakota. But uh, this morning um, we're praising God for who He is in our life and. Uh, as, as we go through the word today, this is one of those words that uh, um, I'm praying that uh, God will just like uh, use us to apply these words every day uh, in our life. And um, this, um, I, I know that last week we started, or two weeks ago, we started off with the Ephesians chapter 6. This is the, one of the famous chapters that, uh, um, that talks about the principalities and the powers of darkness and the we don't wrestle against the flesh and the blood. We looked at it last week. And even week before, we talked about like strengthening ourselves in the Lord. And we talked about like how David strengthened himself in the Lord when he was in a situation in Ziglach, right? Today morning, we're going to continue on the same journey, looking at the same verses. If you have your Bible, can you turn over to Ephesians chapter 6? We're just going to read from verses 10 through 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The thing is this, the wiles is nothing but the schemes of the devil. And devil, for the first time I realized, devil is not actually a name, it's a job description. We'll talk about it a little bit more as we go through today. And God says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate 
of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints praise the lord this morning what we are going to do is actually we have seen last week what the spiritual host of wickedness is all about right this is about like we need to know our enemy even though we know who we are in christ right we also need to know this enemy that we're fighting against is faceless boneless and backless right this this enemy is always at loose and we need to bind that enemy we saw that but paul if we start to look at the verses when he starts to talk about the armor of god he's talking about all these breastplates and truth and um and the and the belt and all these things right when i started to meditate on it i was thinking why is paul trying to talk like this he could explain everything in in detail in so many ways but he is actually talking to us specifically using certain armor like this right then i realized paul at this point is actually in prison in rome this is one of the topics where he wrote from the prison in rome where he was tied to a soldier all the time he was chained to a soldier every day the soldiers would come changed the guards but he was always tied to them so he's constantly looking at them as he was looking at them god would have just reminded him of like a how each of these weaponry that he brings into that room reminded him of like a, the gospel reminded him of god's righteousness reminded him of the the word that is needed so he's just like a trying to pictureize this whole thing right so paul's pictureizing this but then i was thinking to myself that that the average roman soldier right now and when i look at all the arms that they are putting on themselves like uh, the shield that they carry or the breastplate that they usually they carry somewhere between 70 to 80 pounds of these weaponry on themselves and not only that they were carrying a backpack when they go for the battle or a, or a war like this this was going on for months and months and months it wasn't like a drafting that we have that you can go and come back every 6 months in those days it was there for a long period of time so they carried a backpack full of stuff that was useful for them during the battle so totally they were carrying about like 120 pounds worth of equipments either on uh, putting it on themselves or carrying it on the backpack right 
And so that's why when when he started to talk about these battles, when he thought, started to talk about the armor, it was like a very methodical in which he's talking about, right? So you might say, Cyril, what has that got to do with me today? Why should I know about these armors that uh, uh, Paul's writing about? So when I was researching all this and studying all these things, I also found out there is a messianic chapter that prophet Isaiah writes about it. And Isaiah 59, it says that the Redeemer is going to come. This is like a prophecy about the future, right? When I go to this chapter in Isaiah 59, it's talking about the, the verses that, that uh, 59 that says about the Redeemer, says, he put on the righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation in his head and put on the garment of vengeance for clothing. So every weaponry that Paul's talking about was actually was saying that Jesus was wearing it when he was on this earth. So if Jesus needed this to be worn on himself, how much more we need to be wearing these things as, as we get into the battle. Again, we are in a battlefield right now, whether we know it or not. We are surrounded by the enemy that wants to devour you and me. The, the enemy wants to take control of our families, our businesses, our minds, our heart. So this is a battle all the time. Constantly we are in a battle. That's why the Paul's writing we need to put on the whole armor of God. Today, we're going to talk about these armor that Paul's writing. There are two places where Paul writes about these armors. There was in the book of Thessalonians, he writes about some armors that we need to wear. And here in Ephesians 6, he's talking about it. When he wrote the Thessalonian, the book of Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, that was one of the early books that Paul wrote. And so when you read the armor that you see in Thessalonians, it is a little bit primitive because he, he was writing with what he knew at that point in time. But when the book of Ephesians was written, it was later in his life, and he's taking a little bit more time to write about these armors in length, right? So with that said, the first one that we see when we read about these armors He's talking about girding. This is verse 13, 14, where he says, gird your waist with the truth. And they say this is one of the very important weaponry that the soldiers were wearing. You know why? In those days, the, the dress that the people wore was like from the top to the bottom, right? From the neck to the feet. They were wearing this long dress to cover themselves. It is like very loose. And, that, and the thing is that when they went for the battle, they had to carry a lot more on themselves. Like they need to carry the, the breastplates that goes in the front and the back. They needed to carry the shield. They need to carry the sword. So the one thing that that was just like a keeping all intact was this belt 
that were wearing in the waist. And, and the belt wasn't going around their waist, but also it went from up to down. So it's almost like uh, when you go to certain uh, restaurants and, and they give these high chairs for the young ones where you put the feet out and you just like a cover on all sides, right? The same way it went around the waist, but also it went up to down so that they can just like a tie it from the front to the back. So it is easy for them to walk when they were going on a long walk. And that this was also holding all the weaponry, like the, the, the breastplate and the, and the knife and the, and the sword and everything that they were holding onto. So I'm, I was thinking, here in the Bible, it says that this is a weapon, like a girded your waist with the truth. What do you mean by truth? How come the, the belt is equated to the truth, right? And then I realized when Jesus was about to leave this earth, the last day that uh, before the crucifixion, Jesus sits down at the dinner table and he is talking to all his disciples, right? And when he was talking to his disciples, one of the things that he was doing towards the end of that conversation was he was praying for the disciples. He was praying for what is going to happen to them. And when he was praying in John chapter 17, he says, I pray for them. Verses 9 through 19 is this long prayer where Jesus is praying for the disciples, praying for the people around. This is the last thing in Jesus' mind as he was praying for them. Look at how he is praying. It says in the verse 9, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. He's talking about just you and me. He's praying for you and me. And he says, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. He's talking about us again. I am no longer in the world. This is the last day, right? Jesus is saying, I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me. God, Jesus is praying and saying, God, I'm going to leave this earth. This is my last night, but let me give my people into your hands because these guys are being glorified. Because of them, I'm being glorified. Every time we praise his name, he is getting glorified. So he's thinking all about us. The verses go on and on. It says that I am with them in the world. I kept them in your name, who, those whom you gave me. I've kept them, and none of them is lost, right? So he's talking about it, and as I go down in verse 17 of John 17, he is finally wrapping his prayer. He, look how he's wrapping that prayer. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Sanctify, which is set apart. God just remove them from this world by your truth. 
Your, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sake, I sanctify myself, I set myself apart, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So the truth that Jesus is talking about here is the, is the truth of the word. It is written in the word of God. The word of God is the only piece of equipment that can hold the whole armor together. The enemy comes to us as a deceiver. He is, you know, he's always trying and just like put things in our life that doesn't look right. But then we buy into those things and this deceiver needs to be straightened out, right? And that he comes to steal and destroy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he comes into our life with all kinds of lies, in our life and the enemy can through the lies can take away your peace through his lies he can take away your righteousness through his lies he can take away your faith through his lies he can take away the direction that we have in this earth and God says if you know the word if you stay in the word that, that the word becomes the control center of your life. If you're hiding my word in your heart, then every weaponry will function and be in its place. God is saying the first, that's why that Paul puts this in the front. He could have started with the helmet. He could have started with the breastplate because he can go from the top to the bottom, but he starts in the middle of this belt because the belt holds, the word of God holds us day and night. As long as we are in the word and the word is in us, we will become creative. We will become productive. We will become real before God. But you know what? One of the highest um, compromised weapon that we carry is the word of God. What I mean is this. When we get ready to go to work, and if we are late that day to go to work, what is that we are compromising? We are compromising this belt by saying to God, God, I'm really busy today. I have so much to be done today. I don't have enough time today morning, before I get to work. God, can I just like, you know, remember one of the verses that I've already uh, memorized. Can I just say that word? Will that count as reading the word? Or sometimes in a hurry that we are going to work or, or, or the things that are getting busy for the day, we just like uh, take like one of the smallest chapters, like a Psalm 23, and read them in a hurry. Or we take time to just like, a, you know, just read small passage, like a two verses, so that I know I can just like be done. Or in other cases, we put the Word of God like, like an engine on a train, so that we can just like, a, you know, do it in the morning, and then we let the whole train go by. Right? This is a dangerous position 
that we put ourselves in when we take the word of God lightly. The word of God has to be there as, as a weaponry in our waist all the time. The danger, even with the ministry leaders, right, when they run the ministry, they have so much to be done during the day. They even make compromises saying to God, God, I'm working for you. And then they put like so much energy towards the work. They don't really take time to read the word. Some of you on the line may be reading the word today. You may not even fall into any one of the categories that I talked about, right? You may be taking time in the morning to read the word before you start the day. But if you are reading the word, then take that reading of the word to the next level. Because sometimes we read the word like a check mark, right? But instead, if you're already reading the word, take a notebook with you while you're reading so that you can write down what God is telling you. In fact, in Psalm chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4, it's talking about it. I'm going to pick like a small portion of Psalm chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It says, His delight, that's you and me, our delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So if you are in a category where you are reading the word already, right? what I recommend this morning is that take a piece of paper and write down what you're reading so that during the day, you chew on that word. You chew on that word and ask God to explain to you What does it mean to you today? How does this apply to you today? Because the same word that you read 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, will have a complete new meaning for you. Why? Because those words that you read 10 years ago, the maturity of your mind wasn't this much as much as you have now because you've grown yourself in the Spirit. You've grown yourself in the Lord. You've grown yourself in your experiences of the world. And when you read this word today, it is not the same way you read 10 years, 20 years ago. And that's why it says in Psalm chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it says, when we meditate on His word, day and night, right? We will be, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. When we read the word, then we will be like a trees planted by the rivers of water. One of the things, one of the main ingredients tree needs is the water. And God says, when you chew on my word, then I make you, you as a tree, planted by the rivers of water. The water, the supply will always be there for you. When the enemy tries to say, you don't have enough money to pay the bills, you don't have enough things 
to take care of your marriage. You don't have enough to take care of your business. God is a God who says, I can send ways that and to come to you because you meditate on my word. You are chewing on my word day and night. I'm going to pick you up from where you are, where there is no water, where there is no resource supply, but I'm going to take you from there to a place. The Bible very clearly says he will plant us by the rivers of water. Right? He, that, not only that, not only that we are planted by the rivers of water, the Bible says we will bring forth its fruit. Psalm 1, 2 and 3 says, we will bring forth fruit in its season. Right? In a season when, when, when we are going through this life that we are living in, the Word of God will keep us in such a state that the fruit that he's talking about are the nine fruits that Paul's writing about. The peace, the joy, this, this long-suffering, the, 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 the disciplines are the, are, are the self-discipline. All of those fruit will be bearing in, 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 in due life. So here's the thing, right? You might make a decision to stay clean. You might make a decision to keep your peace. You might make a decision to, to not get angry with somebody today, right? That may be something that you made a resolution in the morning and you start to drive to work and somebody comes right in the middle in front of you cutting very sharp. There goes one of the fruit, right? So God says like, but when you chew on the word day and night, you will bear your fruit in time and whose leaf will not wither away, and whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever we do will prosper, and the leaves will not wither away. We will be like our trees planted by the rivers of water. When will all these things happen? When we start to meditate on his word day and night, and his word becomes real. Reading the word of God, without compromising. Here is another benefit to that. When we read the Word of God and make the Word of God the control center of our life, our life will be lengthened. Our life will be lengthened. And the thing is this, this morning, the very first thing that God is just reminding us today is this, don't compromise on reading the word because that's one of the weapons that's going to hold everything together. The second weaponry that God is talking about here is having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate, this is one of the heaviest weaponry that the soldiers were wearing. You know why? Because this is one of the weapons that you carry can protect so many organs in your body. They say that the, the Roman soldiers were wearing close to 75 pounds worth of this weaponry. In fact, Goliath, in the, in, in the David and Goliath story, Goliath's 
breastplates were actually 125 pounds, according to the measure that the Bible says. He wore this because this is one that protects our heart. This is the one which protects our lungs. And this is the one that protects our liver. This is the one that protects our back. Right? Because the breastplates, every time we think of the breastplates, we think that it is only covering the front. In those days, this armor was not only was covering the front, but this was also covering the back. And there was a plate in the middle that was holding both the front and the back. And this is uh, something that even Isaiah is talking about, like we saw earlier. Isaiah 59 says, the breastplates of righteousness, even Jesus was wearing it when he was on this earth. That was the prophecy that was said, right? And Isaiah also writes about this in so many ways. He writes about this word righteous, right? One, the first one, the reason why we need to wear the belt the, around our waist is because the enemy can lie to you about what is going on in your life. That's why you need the truth, right? <clears throat> but the enemy is also an accuser. He's constantly accusing you. He tells you you're not good enough. Oh, this thing that you did like a two years ago, five years ago, last week, yesterday, he tries to remind you of the things that you have done wrong constantly. And, and the thing is that even when you start to pray, he will remind you of some things that you did wrong, right? Because he says, how can God answer your prayers? Because you have done this, 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 and this, right? You are not right. How can you ask for the right things from God? Right? That's the kind of an accuser we have. And that's why Paul reminds us to wear the breastplates of righteousness. When Paul talks about righteousness, he is not talking about our righteousness. When the enemy reminds us of our wrong, this is, this is breastplate. If we are going to hold our righteousness, that is like a going to the battle without putting the breastplate of righteousness because the breastplate of righteousness that Paul talks about is not yours nor mine. If we are going to wear that breastplate based on our righteousness, the enemy can take a shot at it. But Paul is saying, wear the righteousness of God. In Isaiah 6, 64, 6, it says, all of our righteousness is like the filthy rags before God. There is nothing that we do can hold, our righteousness can hold in the battlefield. That's why we need to wear the breastplate of righteousness of God. When the enemy reminds you and me about the past, we need to quickly shut off that voice by reminding him about the righteousness of God. Because when we gave our life to Christ, we got access to the breastplate of righteousness of God. What God did on the cross 
paid it all for you and me. The Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If that enemy is reminding you of your pastor, remind him and you about the righteousness of God in your life. Tell the enemy that he doesn't have a power over you. And the thing is this, when, when, when you start to pray, right, our heart is, is just like a, in the, not in the right place because of something that we may have done, right? And the, and the, the thing is this, that when these the soldiers were wearing this breastplate on themselves, right, that, that every day one of the things that they have to do, right, because this weaponry, this breastplate not only protects as a defensive weapon, but the breastplate is also an offensive weapon. You know why? If there are dirts that are getting formed on top of those shiny breastplates, right? If there are dirts, then the, the soldiers in the morning when they wake up, one of the things that they do is like they take water and they start to wipe out all the dirt because they know the breastplate is not just the, the defensive weapon, but this is also an offensive weapon. You know why? Because when you go into the battle and if it is a sunny day, the shininess of the breastplate blinds the enemy. I'm not saying that we should just rely and, and just use God's righteousness and then start to do every wrong thing in this earth. I'm not saying that we should be on the wrong side of the right. We should also, knowing that we serve a God that is righteous, we need to start to live our life from getting ourselves into the wrong place. We need to start to wake up in the morning and ask God to wipe clean any dirt that we may find in that breastplate, that we caused it upon that breastplate. It's not God's unrighteousness. It's our unrighteousness that's causing some dirt on that. And when we start to wipe out, the psalmist is saying that wipe me clean. There is one place King David says, clean me with the hyssop. In those days, when people went to wash their clothes, they used this herb called hyssop, right? So they put it into the water and they cleaned the clothes. And Psalmist is saying, same way, God, just clean me because I don't want to live an unrighteous life. I don't want to live a life in filthy. I don't want to make a mistake in my life. I want to be clean just as you are clean, God. Clean me with hyssop, right? And when you take your cleanness and put on God's cleanness on top of you with the blessing of righteousness, this is going to blind the enemy from accusing you. The next weaponry that the Bible talks about is having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, the shoes in those days that the, uh, the soldiers were wearing had to be something that is really 
you know, comfortable for them. If you're wearing some uncomfortable shoes and you have to walk for too long, it makes your feet really hurt very quickly. These days I see a lot of these women, I have no idea how they can walk with these high heels. When they walk with this like a thin heel that's holding the back of their uh, feet, it just like it makes you nervous when they are going to fall down, right? But then the thing is that when you are going into a battlefield, you cannot wear high heels because there are moments in your life you might want to run. There are moments in your life you might have to walk this walk too long for the gospel. And that's why you need to, uh, those soldiers were wearing comfortable shoes on their feet because it has to be for a long period of time. They cannot, you know, wear down shoes. They cannot be carrying too many shoes when they go to the battle. They normally carry just one shoe to the battle and that shoe needs to last for a long period of time, right? But also in those days when these Soldiers were walking into the battlefield. They were wearing with the hub nails. These are like a thick nail that were underneath the bottom of their shoes. Why? Because when they are walking through, they may run over some of the thorns. They may have to walk through a, 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 a rocky or a, a stone are all going to be everywhere. They may have to walk over some of the bodies that are lying on the floor. This is this has to be really firm-footed on the ground. The shoes have to be comfortable, but at the same time, the shoes have to be firmly holding them while they are battling. The, the, the thing is that when the enemies were fighting against one another, when the soldiers were fighting against one another, the thing that they normally uh, are going after is their feet. Why? If they can just like uh, break their knuckle, break their ankle, break their feet, then they won't be able to stand up. The Bible says, Stand up because you cannot be fighting with somebody sitting down. You have to stand tall and fight in the battlefield. And that's why feet is so important. And, and at the, you need to protect your feet, both for your journey to be comfortable, but also to step on things that, that, that's causing you from making your walk difficult. There was a man who was walking from one place to the uh, from one side of the U.S. to the other side. He did a walking. He would go like a twenty, forty miles in a day, and then he will rest in a city. Then he will start to walk. Then he will take a rest. He would walk the whole day. He did that walk from New York to San Francisco. He just walked the entire. This is. Like this man, just like for months and months and months, he took this walk on himself. He just walked from one part of the town, uh, I mean, one side of the U.S. to the other side. And so when the, um, the reporters on the other side asked him, what was the difficult part of your journey? Because you walked from 
one side of the U.S. to the other side, they were expecting him to say that during the walk, the weather condition was bad, that they were expecting him to say that uh, the traffic was just like uh, uh, causing him to fear, or they were expecting him to say that uh, there were so many dangerous things that he had to cross by the robbers and things like that. You know what is the number one thing that he said that was uh, bothering him throughout the entire time? It was the small grains of sand that got into his shoes. The small grains of sand that when he got into his shoes, it just made his walk very difficult. And oftentimes, when you are walking in this journey, it's not the big stones that's going to make your walk difficult. It is the small grains that gets into your shoes that can just like take away your peace. Everything else may be going well in your life, but the one thing that can just like one small thing, you may have taken a drive to Disney World. Everything in there would have been fantastic. On the way back, a tire bust would have just like spoiled the entire journey. You went on a cruise, came back. On the way back, something very small happened, just takes all the joy out. And that's all the enemy wants to do in your life, to take away your peace. When your shoes are in place, when you are able to walk with these shoes before God, when you are comfortable with your shoes, then you will not be able to take that peace out of yourself. The, the Bible talks about two kinds of peace. There is a peace with God. That's what we do when when we gave our life to Christ, that's what we did. The peace with God, all the bad things that we did or the, the things of the past, we have just like made an amends on those things. But here, it is not talking about the peace with God, which we have already taken care of that when we gave our life to Christ. Here, it's talking about the peace of God. It's a weaponry, it's a protective weaponry that it protects our peace when the road becomes tough when the when the path becomes rough that god says you don't need your peace the peace that you may have may not last longer you need the peace of god in your life and the, and the thing is this the the peace of god that crushes the 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 enemy's head Romans chapter 16, verses 20 says, And the peace of God will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our God, our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you. Paul is writing in Romans chapter 16 that the God of, God of peace, that is what you carry, the God of peace, that's the weapon that you're carrying, will crush Satan under your feet. When you know where his place is, that's what is very important. The place where the enemy belongs is under your feet. Your job is to crush that enemy, and the crushing of that enemy happens when your feet is firmly grounded 
with the shoes. You need to take on the peace of God, not your peace, and my peace can just like a, easily be vanished. And when we will get that peace is when we have our oneness with God all the time. We need to stay. Sometimes what we do is again like the word of God that, that we have. What we do is like when we pray also, we put our prayer in the morning and we are done with it. And we forget everything about God during the entire day, right? I read this week about a pastor that was talking about the things that we need to do. And he says, take pauses, take random pauses during the day and acknowledge God for what he has done for you and me. Take random pauses during the day and say how good this God is. When we recognize Him in our life, when we start to talk to Him during the day, even the tough conversations that you may have at work will become calmed down. There are times in, in, in both our family life and in the business life, we may have to make some tough conversations with people. We, we may even be scared to talk to them because the conversation that you're about to have may not be pleasant. But you need to have the peace of God upon you and me so that even before you go, you talk yourself with God and just like a bring him into the conversation. There are so many times when I'm talking to my son, my daughter, my wife, there are so many times, just like they're they're part of your family, right? You have your family conversations. Sometimes when you try to have them with your son and daughter or your husband or wife, sometimes those conversations could be a tough conversation unless you bring God into that picture. You, When you start to acknowledge him randomly during the day, you got the peace of God all the time residing in your heart. And this pastor also says that he, he put an alarm in his phone, like a church bell alarm, that he reminds him every hour to just like take a random pause to praise God. And we start to acknowledge him, the peace of God will acknowledge everything that you have in this life. So that's the third one we have seen first one about the, the belt that we wear around our waist. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness. We've now talked about the shoes. Let's go on to the next one. I know we are very close um, you know, to 9.30. We'll see how far we can go. If we don't finish all of these things on time, we don't need to worry about it. We will get through. Um, the, the thing is that uh, the peace of God gives us the mobility to take down the land that we are supposed to possess. If we don't take it, then the enemy will. That's why we need to have the shoes worn properly. If, if the devil is dumb enough to fall under your feet, don't leave the place without stomping his head. And that's why the shoes are so important. The shoes represent the peace of God 
and you, you and I need to have that every day. And that's what Paul is reminding us. The next one, it says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones. There are two kinds of shields that the soldiers in the Roman army were carrying. That we see oftentimes in, in the pictures, the Roman soldier pictures that we see, we see them carrying round shield in their left hand. Or if they are left-handed, they will carry it on their right hand. But this is a round shield that they carry, right? It's called aspin. A-S-P-I, aspis, A-S-P-I-S, right? These are very decorative shields that normally they use that when they are doing like a, a marches um, during the regular day of work um, or when they are uh, trying to like a march for their king and queen and things like that. They carry this decorative shield in their hand. And the Bible that Paul is talking about in this case, the Bible is not talking about Aspis. The Bible's talking about Turian. The shield is slightly different. The Turian is like a big door. The dimension of the shield is almost like the size of the door. When a new soldier is hired in the army, the first thing that they do is they will measure the height of the soldier and and the and the turian, the, the shield that he carries, it has to be the same height as the soldier. The reason why they make a turian the same height as the, the soldier is because when the enemy throws the dart at you, you want to protect your whole self behind that shield. So this is not a fancy shield aspect that they carry. This is as tall as themselves. And what is... Paul referring to the shield, Paul referring to the shield as a shield of faith, right? And that's why in Romans chapter 12, verses 3, it says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Each of us have our height measured, our faith measured. We cannot be comparing our faith with somebody else's faith. Oh my God, that guy has just like amazing amount of faith to stand. That's because his battle is so intense and his enemy is just, you know, all over him. And that God had to increase that man's faith compared to yours. Your battle may be small or your battle may be the longest or farthest. And God has to give the same height as you for your battle. But don't compare your faith with someone else's faith. God has measured your height, side to side, top to bottom, and given you and me the faith that we need. The shield, now let's talk about the shield for a moment. The shield is often made out of like a seven layers of wood, and then it, is, it has a strap with leather, leather straps, right? And the thing is this, these leather straps and the, and, the, and the shield here, right, needed to be wiped clean every single day, not by water, but the, the, 
the the side of the leather portion has to be like a shined by 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 oil because if you don't put the oil on that leather then the leather will become brittle it will be very hard to carry in order to soften that you need to put an oil on that leather and god through paul is reminding us the same way we need to keep our faith renewed by oiling with the holy spirit right our faith need to be oiled we need to be like a bacon when thrown into a frying pan the oil inside has to keep us fried not from outside the oil has to be from inside during the summertime in california you see a lot of fires that happen right in the mountains oftentimes they get like a fire the the thing is sometimes it's man made sometimes it's the weather that causes it right you know how they find out if it is like a a fire caused by a human being or something that happened by the weather when when the researchers when the people after they put on the fire they come and look at these trees to see if it was something inflicted by human beings the way they will find out is if the tree was burned from outside to inside then it is caused by not a natural cause but artificially created but if the tree is burned from inside out then it is not something that is manufactured the same way right when uh, the the thing is that the the fire has to come from inside out right and and uh, the come a couple of analogies that i was thinking about is uh, when noah after 40 days of rain day and night it rained it pretty much wiped out everything on this earth it wiped out the people it sort of wiped out think about it this way non-stop for 40 days day and night if it had rained and the the ship on which that they were ark on which they were sitting down is now floating because of so much of rain everything would have been wiped out right but after 40 days when he sent a dove out the dove came back with an olive leaves right every tree at that point in time has 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 died but olive trees still had a fresh leaf that the uh, that the dove can pluck and bring it right and the thing is that even today the people in israel that that they have they have just like a you know found a place where jesus was at the garden of getsemane which is surrounded by nothing but olive leaves these olive trees that are 2000 years old are still there telling the story of what jesus was saying and doing in that garden 2000 years ago how come these olive trees can live longer the olive trees the reason why they live longer than any other tree is because of the oil that is inside that tree and god says if your faith needs to be strong 
If you want to have this faith to stand up for you, you need to have every single day refresh yourself with the oil, which is nothing but the Bible refers to as the Holy Spirit. You need to be, you and me need to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be asking God to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that our leather straps doesn't become brittle. And also, the shield has seven layers of wood. You know what they do? They actually put those, those shields inside the water and they let it soak the, the shield, you know, with water. When the water saturates, the reason why they put that uh, so much in there is because the water starts to saturate in those wooden pieces. When the enemy throws the fiery darts in the battle, they never, like, a, threw the arrow against each other. They will put the fire in the head of an arrow, and they will burn it, and they will just, like, a, send so many of these arrows in the air towards the enemy's camp. And what they do, they just, like, a, form themselves like a, 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 a square where the, the front of that square will be with the shield in the front. And that's why the Paul says, above all. So the shield is also raised above their head and they make a box out of it. When the fire falls on that shield, which has nothing but wood, if that wood is filled with water so much, saturated with the water, then the fiery darts will not bother the, the soldiers. And Paul is saying, when the enemy starts to throw doubts in your mind, right? The Bible, there's nowhere in the scripture it says, Satan reads your mind. Devil cannot read your mind. But the scripture has says, he can influence our mind. He can throw doubts. He can throw fear. He can throw hatred. He can throw jealousy. He can throw pride towards us. And these dots are coming towards us. And the only way that we can do, keep ourselves safe, is when we lift up above our head with the shield so that those fiery dots will not have a place to hurt you. When you are in a battle like this, one of the things that Paul is saying that you are not going to be relying on the shield that you have, but you also have to rely on the shield that the brothers and sisters that are there in the battle with you. You are not going to be relying just on your shield, but you have to rely on the shield of your, your believer friends that are around you. Oftentimes, we just like to take this battle on our own. When you are in a battle the, that the enemy has caused you to go through, you cannot be relying just on your own strength. You need to rely on the strength of your brothers and sisters. That's why you need to have a fellowship like this where you can just like talk to each other. You can just encourage each other. You can stand with each other when the battle becomes steep. And the thing is this, again, in California, 
they have redwood forests, right? These redwood forests are oftentimes have these trees go up to 300 years old trees that go so far tall, right? Most of the time, or not most of the time, every tree, when it goes 10 feet higher, it has to go 10 feet deep with their roots. If it goes 20 feet higher, then it has to go down 20 feet in their in the ground. But these redwood trees that go like a 10, 20 story tall, but they only have three feet of rooting that they have. You know California has storms. You know California has earthquakes. You know California has this because of the water that they are living by. The place is oftentimes hit with the heat. Oftentimes it is hit with the, the natural disasters. But these redwood trees stand up for 200 years, 300 years, even longer. The reason why they could stand up so much long, tall, but with only three feet of their root is because their roots don't go downwards, they go sidewards. When they go sidewards, they are catching hold of the other roots that are in there. When they start to catch other roots upon your roots, even when the storm comes, you can still stay stronger. Why? You're not holding on to the roots that you have. You're also holding on to the roots of your brothers and sisters that's in there. Sometimes, even though these trees grow like a 10 stories tall, the, the roots go so far on the sideways that if you go to the top of this tree, you may not even see how far your roots has gone because it has been growing in sideways, holding on to the other roots along the way. And, the, and that Paul is saying today, as, as we read this verse, that don't hold on to just your faith, but hold on to the faith of your brothers and sisters along the way so that you will be able to withstand this enemy. I'm going to pause here because it's already 9.30, so I'm just going to come back next week to wrap up these weaponry. My brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, there are so many things that we can derive off of these weaponry that Paul is talking about. In the early days, uh, like when this, uh, in the days of like uh, the words that were written, the people that lived in those days, they, the early church saw themselves as a real army man. They saw themselves as soldiers walking every day because there was a battle that was there very close to their heart, very close to their mind, very close to their environment. So they always walked like a soldiers. And that's what God is portraying through Paul in these verses. That's why in Romans chapter 16, 16, Paul salutes the, the people. When he writes to them in Rome, the, to the Romans, he salutes them because he's saluting the army soldiers that are in the battlefield. You and me are those soldiers. And God is saying, these weaponries are important for you and me. Now, we will come back to it. There's so much more to be done in this verses. There are actually seven weaponry 
that they carried. But Paul talks about six of them here. There is one more extra that is there. He talks a little later in this chapter. But we will look at all the seven weaponry that Paul is talking about here. I hope these verses are coming clear to you that we cannot let the, our, the belt go loose in our life by just like taking the word of God light. We cannot leave the breastplates without, you know, shining them every single day because the shininess of his righteousness and your righteousness will blind the enemy in the battlefield. You cannot walk into the battlefield with loose shoes. The shoes have to be correct size, but at the same time, the shoes have to protect your feet. That is very much needed. You need to have a firm footing every single day of your walk. We cannot be loosey-goosey with our shoes. We cannot be wearing high shields in this high shoes, uh, high heels on these uh, on these battlefields. We need to have something comfortable in our walk when we go into the battlefield. And and today we just like wrapping up today morning with the shield of faith. When he talks about the shield of faith, nearly one and a half mile in length, the, the Romans, when they went to the battle, the sideways, they went like a nearly mile and a half worth of like a soldier standing next to, to each other, shielding not only themselves, shielding the brothers and sisters that were standing in the battlefield. If you are in the battlefield, hold on to the brother or sister who is just going to help you to shield you against this enemy. But if your brother is going through or his sister is going through a struggle, you become the shield and you help them with your faith. And you be there with your shield and faith so that they can face the fiery darts of this enemy. May God bless you today richly, and we will pause here. We'll come back and pick it up. But in the meantime, I'm going to pass on to Miss Sarah to lead us in worship. Hold on, Miss Sarah. I'm just going to unmute. Okay. The conference has been unmuted. Go ahead, Miss Sarah. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life, now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. 
And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splinted cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spill. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. John chapter 6, verses 55, 54 says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. When we take this blood and the blood that represented God's body and his blood, that we will have an eternal life. We will be raised up in the last day. And the Bible says in the verse 55, for my flesh is real food and my blood is a real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, I in them. Just as the Father, living Father sent me, I live because of my Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came from heaven. As we take him, go ahead and take the bread that represents the body of Christ that he's talking about. Amen. Mom. Mom. The same thing. Take the cup and drink the cup that has Jesus on it that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Father God, we come before your throne of grace this morning. As we eat your bread and drink your blood, Father God, we are secured for eternity and that we will see you face to face Remain with you, Father God. Father, as we surrender ourselves this morning, God, you take control of our lives, Father God. Every word that we heard today morning, Father God, let that word become real in our lives. That we will be able to withstand the schemes of the enemy on the evil days. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters on this line. If anyone in this line, Father God, has a a trouble, a spoken or unspoken prayer request in them. Father, we lift them up right now before you. God, the Bible says when two of you on earth agree on one thing, the Father in heaven will do it for their sake. God, this morning we lift up all of our prayer requests, either it's spoken or unspoken. Father God, before you, in agreement that we, Father God, are more than conquerors and what you have done on the cross, Father God, has made a public spectacle of this enemy, and the place where he belongs is under our feet. Father, we crush him in the name and blood of Jesus. Father, I pray this morning for everyone that is on this line, all my brothers and sisters, Father God, that your peace that transcends all understanding, Father God, will will control and guard their hearts and minds. God, the Bible says that the the peace that transcends all understanding, Father God, 
will prevail upon our lives this morning. We surrender ourselves into your mighty hands. God, you take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hope this has been a blessing this morning. And we will see each other next week on the same line at 8.30. Have an amazing rest of the week. Amen. Have a great Amen. one, everybody. Bye-bye. 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 Thanks again for everything. See you next Sunday. See you, Miss. Praise the Lord. Okay, God be with you. Thank you so much.